Hey, um, Allie. Allie? Allie? Oh, shit, that's right. John is a whole watching John is alone. Welcome to a hard braze night. Usually the internet's most reluctant Grey's Anatomy podcast, but currently the internet's incredibly most reluctant private practice podcast. I'm Mick probably should have thought about this a little better. And <laughs> I'm your host for tonight, uh, now that Allie is out of town. Uh, actually, Allie uh, is out of town all this week, so there, that's why there's no regular episode. And over the, the, the previous week, we've been basically struggling to get, you know, time to actually record. So that's why, uh, you know, why I'm even doing this. Because otherwise I would have just said, hey, you know... Week off, deal with it, but, you know, we didn't really manage to get last week's up, so uh, here I am, giving you what I'm calling a bonus episode, because one, it's not going to be very good, because it's just me rambling into a mic without Allie there to rein me in, and also, you know, I got pretty pretty drunk uh, before doing it, and, uh, you know, B, it's not going to be part of the main Grey's, uh, you know, cycle, because, you know, Allie and I need to actually do that together. So I decided, because some of you seem to have this strange, stupid idea in your head that whenever uh, we're done with Grey's Anatomy, we're going to end up doing private practice. And no, that's not going to happen. However, this is a taste of what private practice might have been like. This is my first impressions of watching the pilot of this show, which I, you know, had never seen before. I originally had intended to do this as, like, kind of me doing a commentary track while watching it. But I realized... I couldn't talk and watch at the same time <laughs> at all, <laughs> so, you know, this is what you get. Um, so, yeah, that's that's basically, uh, that's my setup for you, and now let me uh, get, get ready to uh, talk about the show, and yeah, again, this is going to be very awkward, hopefully I'll go back and, you know, delete some of the long, awkward pauses that I'm going to end up having. Anyway, this is this is the pilot episode, obviously. Uh, the, the name of it is In Which We Meet Addison, A Nice Girl From Somewhere Else, which is the really cutesy, apparently based on Winnie the Pooh, titling scheme of this show. Now, of course, this is not In Which We Meet Addison. <laughs> oh, I just got an alert telling me that I need to take my garbage out. Oh, don't worry, Allie. I know you're listening to this. I, I, I did take it out. Uh, not already, guys. Don't let Ali know that. I'm gonna. I'm totally gonna remember though. I'm. I mean, I, I've only had three sangrias, uh, four sangrias. No, three. Three sangrias. So we should be fine. Anyway, so basically, um, you know, yeah, the, the titling uh, thing is a very cutesy sort of a Winnie the Pooh uh, ripoffy thing, and uh, wow, it's it's really precious, and it's it's basically almost as annoying as the Friends titling thing. Um, yeah, I guess it's less, at least it's less tenuous to do than the uh, the Grey's Anatomy Let's Name It After a Random Song, but whatever. So yeah, the air date of this episode was originally September 26, 2007. It was written by Shonda Rhimes, of course, and directed by Mark Tinker. And this is not actually the first time we either meet Addison or even the cast of this show, because there was actually a backdoor pilot for this uh, that we'll eventually be talking about whenever Allie and I get to, I believe, season three of Grey's Anatomy. I mean, it was a blatant backdoor pilot. Like, just, uh, I mean, it might have well just been entitled Backdoor Pilot, but there was never a song called that for the Grey's Anatomy people to get into. 
And so the, the episode basically opens up at Seattle Grace Hospital, and uh, you see Addison, you know, uh, in the little like washing up room uh, outside the operating table, uh, operating room, and Chief Weber is chewing her out for basically giving her a letter of resignation to go to private practice, and she's a. Uh, it's done in a way that, like, you know, he basically says, you're, you're an idiot, you're a surgeon, this is not, you know, you're, you're not a private practice kind of person, you work at a, you know, like, you work in a hospital, and he's like, you don't even know these people, which enables Addison to then give this monologue where she talks about how all the people that she knows, and she has, like, a one, sen- a, a one or two sentence description of them, and, of course, they cut to that character doing their thing, and the people she names are, and I'll try to do the cast as well as we go through it, uh, she names first her best friend, Naomi, who's played by, uh, you know, mostly known as a Broadway actress, Audra McDonald. And her, and, and uh, she, you know, she, you see her, you get to see her basically, uh, you know, like she's their fertility sp- expert and you see her crying into a carrot cake on a bathroom floor. Uh, and then, it, and then she names Sam, her husband, played by Tay Diggs, um, who's an actor who I, I never remember who he is until I see a picture of him or see him in something. But so, yeah, Sam is Tay Diggs. And, you know, I, I need to remind myself he's the guy who looks a lot like if Seal had really good skin. And uh, he is, like, he's, I don't know what he is. He's just a, a doctor, I guess, <laughs> in the office. I, I, I didn't pay that much attention. Uh, you know, I watched this once and whatever. Allie would have probably corrected me with what it is. Then we get to Violet, who I spent half the damn episode trying to realize why the hell I knew who she was. And I finally realized it's basically she's she's the psychiatrist, and I finally realized she's uh she's from Judging Amy, a show that I think I've probably seen about twenty episodes of without ever wanting to. And it's it, I feel like there's just like about thirty people that I recognize, and I don't know why. And it turns out it's because they're from Judging Amy, and uh, she she's basically currently stalking a married man. Uh, but you know, because you know the joke, psychiatrists are just as crazy as their patients. A dig a dig a do, you know. And uh, then we meet Coop, Dr. Cooper something, uh, Cooper Friedman, according to the, uh, the the internet over here. And Coop is the, he's a pediatrician and, uh, you know, he's, yeah, he, you see him, he's, he's tied up to a bed, uh, you know, in, in a, obviously in a sexual situation. And he calls a girl like two or three wrong names but before she leaves him locked in that room. And this is a weird conceit, apparently, of this show that, uh, that, that, that Cooper is like a total sex addict, sex fiend, awesome, like sexy guy. But he looks kind of like Joe Rogan and uh, the guy from Dexter had a weird love child or something. So uh, I can't believe I'm calling him the guy from Dexter. I, I forgot his name. Allie would have known it. Uh, sorry, Allie. I know you're gritting your teeth and, and just telling me, telling, saying that name right there. But, you know, I would have, I, I almost guessed his name was David something, but that's that's his character from uh, Six Feet Under. So, you know, and then and then we get Pete, who is Joe from Wings, or the the you know the degenerate gambler screenwriter from uh from the Sopranos, uh, Tim Daly, and also also Superman's voice in the Superman animated, well, at least one of the Superman voices. I think there's been several, but uh, you know, so Tim Daly, you know, he's a you know veteran guy who kind of stars in things, and he's a handsome guy, but handsome in kind of a soap opera way. I've always thought. Um, so anyway, we get to see all of them, and and oh, and he's Pete. He's the alternative medicine guy, and he's the guy that uh, that Addison kissed in a stairway in that episode. So you know, obviously, it's gonna you know we're setting up there. Sam and Diane, will they, won't they for this uh, for, for this series? I assume. Again, I've never seen any other episode, and hopefully, never will. So uh, you know that, but that's what we got going on uh, here. You hear? I, I I mean it 
Never will. Don't don't think this is like some sort of ongoing feature where John's going to keep watching, you know, Grey's Anatomy and rambling off into an empty mic. Um, you know, so basically, so we, we've set up that she's leaving. And I, 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 for one, am amazed that Shonda Rhimes figured out a way to get someone off of her show without killing them horribly or having them, like, you know, get fired or betrayed in such a way that they have to leave or, you know, maybe, like, give them brain damage till they forget everything about being a doctor or, you know, any of the other ways that she either has or will get rid of characters until this, you know, till Grey's Anatomy crumbles to the ground. Uh, so, and then they, they set up, like... And I really do feel like this is some, this is a Shonda Rhimes trope that we, we're going to hear also in Grey's Anatomy. We set up that Addison's going to go off and dance naked or in, dance in her underwear or dance naked if she wants, which is dancing in her underwear is, a, is something that we'll, we'll find a character coming into Grey's Anatomy that will be, you know, be doing that at some point. And, uh, and that'll be, weirdly enough, a character issue for her later. Um, so... So the, basically it cuts to her dancing in a towel and then later, you know, throwing that towel off and dancing around naked to the scissor scissors, scissor sisters. Scissor sisters. Wow. You know, I should never try to say scissor sisters with, uh, with you know, less than two drinks, more than two drinks in my system. Wow. I'd say I'm going to edit this out, but please, I'm not going to remember to do any of that. Uh, so anyway, she's dancing the scissor sisters. I don't feel like dancing. <laughs> and she... Dances uh, by an open window, and suddenly, you know, you know, good skin seal sees her, Tay Diggs. Because it turns out he, who has left Naomi, uh, or is divorcing Naomi, uh, has moved into a bungalow that is actually right next to the one she's moved into. Or, not a bungalow, I guess it's, whatever it is. A house. <laughs> Let's just say house. And they are basically awkward, because it's like he just saw his his soon-to-be ex-wife or ex-wife's, uh, you know, best friend dancing naked and, you know, vice versa. It turns out, you know, like, she used Naomi's, uh, you know, real estate agent to get the house. And, of course, the real estate agent basically, you know, recommended the same neighborhood as the, as the other guy that uh, she did a house in. So, yeah. You know, it's it's awkward. It's, it's, perfectly, it's perfectly a Shonda Rhimes kind of thing, you know, and... So then we, we you know, she goes in she goes into the office uh, where everyone everyone knows her because there was that because again they all met on that backdoor pilot and you know it becomes very obvious that though Naomi had offered her this job that she hadn't told anyone else in the firm now Naomi has a controlling interest of fifty five percent so she can do whatever she wants but it's you know everyone's really pissed at her because it's Basically, the, the firm had always had the agreement that even though she legally had the ownership, that everyone would vote on. They would vote on everything, and uh, you know, so they're all pissed off. They're they're really upset, and uh, you know, and and basically, they're they they all are pissed, just pissed. <laughs> I'm, hi, I'm not really good. Allie would have cut me off by this point, uh, both uh, in words and in drinks, but uh, I guess I'll just move forward. So. Uh, at this point, she's having an awkward moment with, uh, with I guess, Tim Daly, uh, you know. And I, I, I got to say, watching this, I always feel so bad for poor Steven Weber. Because, you know, it's like he he got to be the cool brother on Wings. But once Wings was over, like, I mean, I guess he's guested on Law & Order a couple of times. But it just seems like Tim Daly has managed to actually carve not necessarily a respectable career in the sense of, like, you know, like, Gee, I wish I could be Tim Daly, but you know, definitely a career that he. I, I, come to think of it, I do wish I could be Tim Daly because he's been doing all right for himself. You know, two successful shows, a uh, run on Sopranos. You know, 
that's that's not so bad, I guess. I'm going to say you know and uh, stagger a lot. Um, so we, anyway, we meet our first patient. Let's just go to that. It's it's a couple. They're, you know, obviously they're they're seeing uh, Naomi uh, to for fertility reasons, and he's an older gentleman, and she's his younger. Uh, we they assume wife, but it turns out she's just a girlfriend. And, uh, well, just a girlfriend. She's his girlfriend. And they are basically, he's like, kind of like, well, I've never jerked off into a cup before, you know, like, like that's, you know, an amazing, uh, you know, revelation. Because to be honest, unless you're donating sperm, I really don't, I hope you haven't. There's not a lot of, uh, I mean, I, I was a teenage boy once. I jerked off into a lot of things in a lot of places, but, uh, you know, a cup, not really my plan. A, B, C, D, or even through to Z, or any of the subletter, you know, subscripts or symbols, never plan to jerk off into a cup. So I, I don't see why it's such a big deal for him that this is his first time. Um, and so, anyway, they go through the tour uh, after they kind of go past this person. Naomi's taking him on the taking her on the tour, and uh, the tour is basically showing, you know, how this is like the swanky private practice in Santa Monica, California, and it's. You know, it's all nice and laid back and, you know, it actually, knowing what I know about the character of Addison and uh, and just basically my own edginess, this place actually sounds like hell. I mean, it sounds like great as a patient, but, like, it seems like something that I, I can't imagine she'd want to work at. And it's just everyone's so relaxed and laid back and, like, the, like the birthing room is basically looks like a really nice, like, bedroom with a, that happens to have a bed in it, you know, and it's not even like a hospital-style bed. And while they're while they're showing through this, suddenly you know, like they, they, you know, they, there's another like bit of a you know like dispute about the hiring firing processes, but you hear the old guy just really enjoying himself and like not a way that when one masturbates one does. Obviously, he's being assisted, you know, and they're like chuckling about it. And then suddenly, like you hear a scream, and you know they all run in. And it turns out that she, while stroking him, actually managed to stroke him into a stroke, apparently, because he's got, like, some, you know, eye, the eye is blown, the cornea is blown, or the iris is blown out, or whatever blows out, pupil, I can't remember what blows out in a stroke, but something in the eye is blown out, you know, they're all, you know, like, they, you know, like, freak out, they call, they call, you know, the, you know, the actual hospital, because this is just a private doctor's office, uh, you know, they, and... Before the before the meds can really get there, you know, he dies. He's DOA. He's, you know, he's not even DOA because he he's dead before they even arrive. And you know, like there, you know, the the woman who, by the way, is a uh, Charlotte from Lost, um, the uh, Britishy Australiany woman that like shows up with that science team at that uh, or something. I can't remember. It's, Lost is as convoluted as anything I ever watched, so I, I honestly can't remember exactly where when and where she was. But she's obvious. It took me forever to realize that's who she was. But I spent most of the episode going, "Why do I know her?" But so she, <laughs> you know, is like begging him to use the paddles, and they're like, "Well, it's too late for that. There's, you know, it's it's there's no there's no point to it, you know. It's like the, he's he's dead." And uh, then she says, "I want the sperm," and that turns into that is that is one of the battles of this episode. Is this woman wants the sperm of her boyfriend? And, you know, at first the hospital's like, absolutely no. No, we're not cutting this, you know, just because you, his girlfriend, want his sperm. We're not cutting him open, you know. And um, so 
And that's when we meet, uh, there's a blonde doctor who, I think I, I think she's actually a cast member, because uh, like when I looked up the cast people, she's on there as a, uh, Katie Strickland plays her, I think. And so I guess she I guess she comes back, but she's really, she seems to be the antagonist foil from the, uh, from the hospital at this point. She's refusing to do this. She doesn't want the legal liability, whatever. And, you know, Tay Diggs is trying to fight for that, and... Uh, he ends up having to call to call in uh, his ex-wife or separated wife or estranged wife or whatever, uh, Naomi. I guess they're not really estranged because they have to work together. And so, but she, they, they end up fighting successfully by arguing that they have all this documentation and that, you know, it's going, you know, like basically scaring their legal team of a guy who I really wanted to be B.D. Wong but wasn't, um, as the lawyer basically saying, yeah, they, they could easily have a case, uh, you know, of some sort. And, you know, not necessarily that they would win, that it, but it wasn't worth it to not let them do it. And, you know, they basically, if if she signed something saying the hospital wasn't liable for anything that happened, that it would be okay. And, you know, basically, just as, a, you know, just as, you know, they're, they're finding out that, you know that they, you know they, they can do that. Uh, a woman shows them and says, "Absolutely not." And it turns out, old old Strokey the corpse had a wife. And let's jump back now uh, to uh, so so. Judging Amy here has to help a woman who's counting tiles on the floor of a department store. They called her in because they found her. You know they found uh, you know Violet judging Amy's uh, card in her you know in her belongings. And there's a woman basically. She's on the floor of a department store frantically counting the tiles. And uh, she was another one I spent the entire episode trying to figure out why she looked familiar. And it turns out it's uh, Frank Zappa's uh, daughter, famously named Moon Unit, usually just goes by Moon Zappa, is playing this part. And uh, this is kind of, this is the B plot. So, uh, you know, let's just say right now, like he called, like the, the guy at the store basically called her because he has a sister who has mental problems and he's like, I don't want to have to bring the police into it, uh, you know, if you can solve it. And, you know, the, the running thing, and I'll just go ahead and say the whole that arc, is the running thing is she's trying to solve this person's problem and they, you know, basically, like, this, she won't stop counting, you know, she won't listen um, and, you know, the, like, Paul, the store guy, is consistently getting more and more agitated. He ends up calling the cops, but, like, you know, but she's trying to stop, you know, like the cops from taking her and she's trying to solve this puzzle. At one point, she, uh, you know, she tries to you know, like interact with uh, with the girl and she the woman and she gets slapped in the face. Like like the woman like freaks out, moves, hits her in the hits her and uh, and uh, and and she hits and judging Amy hits the back of her head on the uh, on the on the tiles. And all I could think watching this entire arc was. This is basically an, an object lesson in why large department stores should not use really tiny tiles in case this happens. Because if they'd had, like, bigger ones, she'd have been done counting in, like, maybe a few minutes. But she's in the thousands at this point. And uh, Coop, uh, the pediatrician Dr. Cooper, he he shows up there and is, you know, like, and, like, kind of helps her solve the problem. And it turns out uh, this woman, I think her name is Jenny or something, she heard. It turns out she had she had been watching in the store. They go they go to the security camera footage, and it turns out she had been watching this this clip of a of like a an advertising thing on the TV in the camping section. It showed a little kid running around and leaping, and that's when she started. And they they discover that she has had a son that she has never talked about who died of brain cancer, and that she was blaming herself. And I'll be honest, this arc is really maudlin, really heavy handed. 
It's not really well done, but it does something that I almost get pissed off at, uh, you know, but I do understand it as like it's it's easy to do. So, of course, they're going to do it is the fear of a child dying means that anyone in your audience who's a parent is really going to get kicked in the teeth watching this. It was actually very hard for me to watch, even as I intellectually was like, this is garbage. You know, it was a very, you know, it, it was a very like. It, it was difficult, you know, and, and, and the thing is, I like knowing for a fact, like in, in a bit of a confessional time here, you know, uh, I, we may have mentioned it on here, but our son is on the autism spectrum. And there's a lot of times whenever, you know, like Allie or I, and I think honestly, Allie does this more than I do. Like there's a lot of like f- a feeling of, did I do something wrong? Like, like so far am i messing up that i did we not get him to treat did we not go in fast enough did ali was long before me was pushing to get him into you know some in, in, into programs and like try to get him diagnosed with something cuz she knew something was up and i was a little more like well let's wait and see he's still pretty young and uh, you know when it happened like like she did a lot of like trying blaming herself and saying that you know like am i screwing him up and i feel like like that was an issue cuz this is the issue of a mother who like her son had an uh, incredibly severe inoperable uncurable brain cancer but you no matter how no matter how something is you know no matter how uncurable or you know like uncaused by your actions something is there's always this feeling of could i be a better parent and watching that it was a little tough um you know and and at the end you get to see uh, moon zappa do some, a serious ugly cry like just like a straight up like i mean i it stopped just short of her having snot running out of her nose, but it was a, it was a it was a it was a serious ugly cry, and I, I give her credit. I mean, I'm not saying Moon Zappa is like the you know like most beautiful woman on earth anyway, but you know she she really uh, really gave it the extra mile on that. Um, so anyway, you know going back the uh, so the other major plot here is now Addison has uh, got her like she's been told she basically will deliver. One person a day if she's lucky, you know, unlike she's used to multiple births all day long in a hospital and and having a staff of like 60 people. And here her staff is uh, Dez, I think is his name. Uh, you know, he's like this little surfer dude, receptionist looking guy, uh, pretty boy who's training to be a midwife. And, you know, and, and she'll be assisted in the operating room by uh, Pete or Pete. Yeah, Pete, who is, you know, their alternative medicine doctor. And she, you know, being a hard nosed science type, you know, is not really into that. Uh, but also being, you know, being a woman with womanly desires is still into that Tim, Tim Daly. How so sweet. That sweet, sweet Tim Daly was what I was trying to say. But thank you, Sangria from Trader Joe's. Um, so. So basically, they're treating at this time. There's a pregnant teen, you know, and she's she's basically there with her father, who's very upset at her, obviously, because you know, pregnant teen, and he's a single father. It turns out, and uh, she's having this baby, and they're they're you know they're working on consoling her, and it, and and Pete needs to be there because it, they they've got a holistic childbirth plan. So you know, his, his alternative medicine is part of the plan. And so Addison's kind of begrudging this. And Pete's already given her hell earlier in the episode, like, like kind of like, you didn't move here because we kissed, did you? And, you know, and Addison's like, no, I, rec- I, I did not rip my entire life up for, you know, a piece of some dude from Wings. I mean, I mean, not even for Thomas Hayden Church would I do that, much less you, you know. So, 
you know, she's all all defensive and she's having to work with him. And so this pregnant girl gets some complications. She's, it turns out, you know, like she's, you know, like I can't remember what they said, but like basically the the umbilical cord is choking the baby and she's passed out. And it came very suddenly, you know, and, and actually uh, Pete was the one who noticed because that's where you learn that Pete actually does have like traditional Western medical training as well. You know, he, you know, he knows how to read the equipment. He knows what he's doing, you know, with that kind of stuff. And they, they have to stop doing it. And, but they need to take her basically to a hospital. She needs to be operated on. And they don't have, they have a room for doing C-sections or they have hospital privileges to do C-sections. But, you know, here at this private office, they don't have, they don't have a surgical area. And, but it turns out like with the traffic, it's going to be like 10 to 20 minutes before an ambulance would get there and they don't have that kind of time. And so Addison has to make a, a, a last minute a decision whether to operate in a room that like basically is, is, as she put it later, barely sterile. She doesn't have equipment. She doesn't have anesthesia. And, but then, you know, like, and she's freaking out because like, you know, like when you cut into someone without anesthesia, they could go into shock and, you know, like, like even though this girl is a very healthy 17 year old girl, Lord knows what what's going to happen when she cuts her open. You know, she could go into shock. You know, like she's going to be in so much pain. She's going to be writhing around. You know, what have you? And then, and then um, Pete says, "I I can do it." You know, and he ends up using uh, he ends up using acupuncture. Uh, you know, uh, you know, after Addison gives him like, "Are you sure? Are you sure?" And he's like, "I'm a professional. I'm sure." He ends up using acupuncture uh, to to and lidocaine to deaden the nerve ends. So that uh, she doesn't feel this pain, and I won't comment on that because I don't know enough about you know. I know that that, that in some cases acupuncture is effective in various ways, but it makes me a little leery <laughs> to say that that is something that would actually work for cutting someone open, you know. Um, so, but I, I don't have the research in front of me, so okay, that's fine, fine show, you know, fine, Pete, you you solve the problem, and. So we basically we have uh, we have this whole tense scene where they're all in their their masks uh, going over and I and that's why I noticed like as I think I've mentioned before you know uh, Kate Walsh uh, you know has Addison has you know like she has some professional eyebrows you know like they are th- those eyebrows are of a pay grade much higher than you or I probably have eyebrows on um, and so she like I was looking when they were doing the like the mask discussion I was like. You know, she is a perfect person to cast as a surgeon because she has like this like great eye area with like powerful eyebrows. And I was looking in like Tim Daly, while he's a handsome man, he's kind of soap opera handsome and he's got kind of a gentle face and it like I don't know, like I would say his mask acting just didn't feel as 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 on fleek as the kids would say. Um and then the poor father was, you know, who's a that guy, you know, he he just basically, you know, like Weirdly enough, uh, I never thought I'd say this, but take the mask off, you're too ugly for it, was kind of what I thought there. That's a very random thought to have, and I apologize that this is not more entertaining, but that's that's all I can say. So, they end up saving the girl. Um, it's it's pretty much, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a touch-and-go thing. And Oh, and also we learned that the, uh, the, the, the girl's fa- mother had also died in childbirth, and that's why it was a single father. And um, basically... They, uh, you know, the girl's saved. She goes off. The father, who's now a grandfather, is happy because the, you know, the, his daughter and and his grandchild—I can't remember if it was a boy or girl—has survived. Blibbity blah blah bado. And uh, and, he, and then going back, you know, to the um, to the other um, 
the whole the, the woman with whose husband's sperm is uh, up for grabs. Basically, the woman says she wants to keep her husband's sperm. Now it turns out he has just like he had left her after many many years, you know. But she wouldn't give him a divorce. Like he like he you know he basically left her, had a whole other relationship, but they were still married and. She, you know, she's resented him and was angry. And she's like, but I'm going to take his sperm. I'm going to be, I'm not going to be the one who's alone. And, and this basically becomes this microcosm of uh, Audra McDonald and, uh, and Goodskin Seals, uh, you know, relationship. And they, they end up coming to turn like, and because uh, now, now uh, Naomi is sympathetic to, you know, to the wife now. You know, having felt like her husband basically abandoned and left her as well. And so she, you know, like it's, she's kind of got a ha- not really wanting to work, you know, for the, you know, for the, their original, you know, client anymore. And she and, and, uh, and Sam have this whole, like, get, you know, to do where they start fighting. And uh, it basically, you know, it comes out that Sam's like, I didn't really leave you. You know, I expressed I had problems and misgivings with our relationship, and you, you know, instead of fighting for me, you just, you know, you just assume she's like, well, you didn't love me. He's like, I never said I didn't love you, and you know, you know, and he's mad that she, you know, like that, there to her, their relationship clearly was not worth fighting for, and like that she never fought for the relationship, and that was part of the reason he had, you know, said he was leaving, and uh, so, she, you know, then she talks to the wife, and the wife, you know, kind of. You know, talks about how like you know, you know, like how angry she was and how bitter, but like that she doesn't really, you know, she doesn't even like. Basically, she's, you know, like she says to the wife, you know, basically because of all the paperwork we have signed with her, she's gonna have a a, a reason to fight for to keep you from having the sperm. And if we don't resolve this in twenty four hours, you know, no one's gonna get it. And she's like, well, I'm fine with that. You know, and and they kind of have a discussion where you know, like she, they both come to realize that they, you know, like sometimes in life you just need to learn to let let things go, and so she allows, uh, you know, the the girlfriend to have to harvest that sperm, you know, because she's clearly someone who actually loved him and wanted him, and you know, and and at this point, like she had no positive feelings at all for her now dead husband. So, you know, it, it ends basically with an, uh, you know, like an armed truce between Naomi and Sam and, you know, and everything's all set up to be a, you know, ongoing series for a few seasons, like six seasons or however long it ran. And yeah, so that is the first episode of Private Practice. I guess my reflections on it are, it's not that good. <laughs> You know, it's uh, again. That's a pilot, so it's hard to judge. But like, it's go- I can tell it's going for more of a lighthearted tone than Grey's Anatomy. At by the point of this was going for, it has a feel that's closer, in some ways, to Grey's Anatomy's first season. But it doesn't have that. You know, like these kids just learning their thing. These are all adults who, you know, know medicine or licensed or done with their their entire you know residency, internship, etc. You know, and and are in private practice. And of course it. It all it uses the very heavy-handed tropes that, you know, that you know all doctors are as messed up as their patients and whatever, you know. And it's it's obviously setting itself up to be more of the fun and sexy thing. And I, there's some implication vaguely also that uh, that Cooper and Violet might have had a relationship together. I'm not really sure, uh, you know. But um, at any rate, basically, Viol- 
you know, in the end, Violet admits she's a stalker, and I guess Cooper admits nothing, and, you know, Kate Walsh, basically, they had this whole, oh, oh I forgot to mention, I, I was wrapping up the show, and I forgot to mention, then there was this big scene where everyone finally took, uh, took Naomi to task about the hiring thing and demands a vote, and then Addison gets up and delivers, you know, an impassioned monologue about, uh, you know, you know, why, how she's not leaving, and then she... It kind of peters out. She thinks she has a big finish, and she it peters out, and she's like, "I guess I don't really have one, so I'm gonna stop talking." And then she says, "No, wait!" And she finishes it off like with, "You know, someone would have died if I wasn't here. I am. I'm a world class surgeon, and this is the way it is. I'm here." And she storms off, and so ha, everyone's happy, and it ends with Addison dancing naked again. But she manages, but she closes the curtains this time so that Tay Diggs doesn't see her her uh, her bits, you know. And so yeah, I based on this pilot, I would probably not ever think of watching this another episode of this it does feel like the kind of show that you might like have on as you're falling asleep in the middle of the night and be like oh this is a pleasant diversion i guess in the sense that you know like it's not offending me in any way i mean i don't know how it develops later but based on the pilot it's it's it it feels kind of uh to be honest slight Eh, but (coughs) excuse me but um, yeah, it's it's not something I, de- I I would probably ever want to visit again. It's it's it wasn't horrendously wretchedly bad, and there's no character, at least based on the pilot, there's no character as awful as Meredith. You know, no one's no one's truly terrible. You know, again, uh, the central character in this is Kate Walsh, who is an infinitely more likable person in on on screen. You know, and. And a very huge plus, there's no stupid fucking monologue narration at the beginning and end, bookending the episode. You know, so yeah, uh, you know, it's a show I wouldn't necessarily recommend, but like I'm not mad for seeing it. I, I, I didn't like I didn't grit my teeth watching this. It was just sort of there. And that's kind of how this podcast episode hopefully will end up because I know it's not going to be great, but I hope it's just sort of there. And I guess uh, that's it. Um, you know, I guess... Uh, I'm going to go ahead and close off proceedings, you know. So for me, uh, to Allie, <laughs> sorry, honey, that I, uh, I I kind of screwed up our podcast so badly. Um, oh, oh, I mean, the reason I said to Allie actually was I, I, I got lost and sidetracked. We, he hasn't come up yet on, uh, on, on Grey's Anatomy yet, but uh, in the closing credits, which are in a silly, like, scripty font, Allie, you gotta listen. Little Will Stewart is in there. Little Will Stewart. We'll talk about him later when he actually shows up in the credits of Grey's Anatomy. But he's a very important part of the Grey's Anatomy mythos for us, um, and he is involved in this show. So yeah, I guess uh, you know on behalf of Allie and for myself, uh, this is uh, and has been a terrible bonus episode of a Hard Grey's Night. Signing off. Kiss off, y'all. <laughs>